Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Brian E. Roach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, and joining me today, finally, as we thaw out from chilly, windy, snowy, cold Buffalo, New York, or Orchard Park, as we should say. Some people get a little particular with that, depending on where you're at in those whereabouts. Brian is uh, where the snow is, but one Mr. Brian E. Roach, what's going on, my friend? You know, I, I had made some jokes at uh, work that I was heading into the snowpocalypse and I might not make it home. So, you know, they should just, uh, you know, venture on without me and wish me well. I didn't know that I wasn't joking. <laughs> <laughs> you had, oh, so you had a way worse drive home. I'm going back to Ohio. So I'm headed west. Brian's headed east back to Jersey. And basically the storm just followed you the entire way back. Whereas like I was able to drive past it at one point and it wasn't so bad for me on Tuesday, but that's why we're delayed here an extra day, folks. We had to recoup a little bit and lick our wounds from a Steelers, uh, a Steelers loss season over 31, 17 to the Buffalo bills. But this feels a little different than some of the other season ending scenarios and you know when we're when we're when it's over because i'll say this much brian the question i will ask for both of us did you feel that this was a super bowl contending pittsburgh steelers team no at any point during this season did you feel that they were so would you say in past seasons okay it would it would be like okay they made the playoffs this is a disappointment they have early exit I would say going back, you know, losing to the Ravens when they didn't have uh, Bell and he was hurt, losing to the Jaguars in 2017, minus Ryan Shazier, also a very cold game, as I recall, uh, and all those weapons that they had and the way that played out, the, the COVID year 2020, hosting a playoff game with no fans, losing to the Cleveland Browns after they allowed them to sneak into the playoffs, 11-0 and start to that season. I would say those are disappointing. When they kind of eked their way in for the last year and we got some bonus Ben Roethlisberger in the final year that he played, we got an extra game, right? And we had the whole farewell Ben everything and they lose to Kansas City. I had like no grand illusions that they were going to go toe-to-toe rock'em sock'em robots with the Kansas City Chiefs, particularly that iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs (laughs) versus this year, although this year they're a little more, I'd say now they're leaning more on defense and offense, but still with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that's a juggernaut. So when you come out into Buffalo, it's like, yeah, you have a chance, but realistically without TJ Watt, we didn't like that chance as much as if they would have had TJ Watt. So for this team, yeah, you're going to jump in. Well, go ahead. Jump in right there, because I got more, of course. So here's the thing, and we said this at the beginning, and I've, I've been saying this all along. The AFC, there's nobody that is not beatable in the AFC this year. So when I say Super Bowl contending team, what I mean is they could certainly have gotten there and then gotten spanked, okay, because I don't think they were going to win against the NFC team that was there. Not that the 49ers are unbeatable or that whoever may end up being there is unbeatable, um, you know, anything's possible but the caveat to all that was they had to play 
perfect, mistake-free football. And trying to do that as many weeks in a row as would have been necessary to get them there, highly unlikely. Um, you know, they didn't play perfect, mistake-free football in Buffalo. Oh. Not anywhere <laughs> near it. Um, and, you know, they just, they are not good enough. They're not they're not that good of a team, right? The offensive line is suspect even to this point. The quarterbacking, even with Mason playing better, is suspect and has been to this point. The the defense has just been through a ringer, right? They, you know, if we had yeah. the full complement of the defense all season long, or even just in this game, might have changed my tune, right? You and I were sitting in that in that lovely, wonderful, air-conditioned to the point where we're sitting there being cold because, as I said to you, they just didn't want us to miss out on the Buffalo experience. 68 um, degrees cold versus whatever. What was it that they officially had? Uh, 17 degrees was the official temp at kickoff. I just didn't expect to have to sit inside and put a coat on. Um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't thought- need to, but you were wearing short sleeves, so that's on you. You're I- in Buffalo. Plus, you didn't know that we were going to have to go like walk two miles from the stadium. the stadium, you know, yeah. we're planning on, we're planning on parking. We're planning on, you know, we just got to walk to the stadium. We're going to go into a climate control type situation where we didn't have to trudge through the unshoveled areas of Highmark stadium, formerly Ralph Wilson from years ago. And, uh, you know, I will say it was balmy though. Like it wasn't like, I think if we were in Kansas city, we would have really froze our asses off, but this oh, was, yeah. For 17 degrees, it was like, you know, if you're somewhat acclimated, I'm not going to say that Miami would go up and be like, oh, this is comfortable. But for you and I, I'm like, I wasn't like uncomfortable. It was chilly. And when you get moving yeah. a little bit, you know, the juice is flowing. So like the, the weather at the, at the end of the day, the real thing that impacted this game with moving it was routines with the players, yeah. particularly a team that's traveling has uh, less of an advantage than the home team would. And you made a great point. This is one of the ones. Uh, there's several that need to be thrown out here. There's three that I want to make. Uh, and then we might go through some of this. Maybe we don't. I don't know. But one of them is, uh, yeah, through the game. Maybe four. Actually, four. You reminded me because the refs stink. But that'll be at the end. Um, okay. The job that Mike Tomlin did with what he had. And that goes to my second point of people throwing around the term highest paid defense. At what point was this highest paid defense actually on the field for the Steelers at any way, shape or form at full capacity other than maybe week one, which I think when did Cam get hurt? Week one, didn't he? He was pretty close yeah, around there. And sure. Cam Cam missed, uh, I think, six games this year. Mika Fitzpatrick missed seven. Cole Holcomb ends up, by the way, that was a photo of Eric Rowe. You may have heard of him. Practice squad guy making practice squad money. Not highest paid. Miles Jack playing a lot of significant time with the inside linebackers all being ravaged. Cole Holcomb. Add Quan Alexander and even Alan Landon Roberts missing a little bit of time. And, you know, like I said, Hayward had to be supplemented. KZ being suspended. KZ being suspended. Keanu Neal getting hurt. Now, Joey Porter, less of a cap hit than Levi Wallace. So uh, even though I got an article coming on this for the website in written format so you could see some of this ledger when you're com- when you're um, comparing the cost it, it was somewhere in the ballpark of 35 million dollars to 38 million dollars was missing on the field on monday 
A large sum of that is $29 million to TJ Watt, of course, and having Nick right. Herbig and Marcus Gold. Marcus Golden's making a little over a million. Uh, Nick is making a little less than $1 million on a fifth-round rookie or fourth-round rookie, whatever round he was, rookie contract. So to say it was the highest-paid defense, just it really isn't fair to say that to the Steelers. This is what's going to be – this is what's going to be stuck in the, what do you want to say, the annals of the people who like to say mediocrity and Mike Tomlin. This was a team that overachieved. They overachieved with a quarterback that everyone had discarded and all of a sudden loved. You think they underachieved, Brian? I know you're raising your eyebrows. I know they overachieved. You know I don't why? Think... <laughs> you said annals. Annals. Uh, okay. It's not quite the same as like when I'm driving and there's that fudge from Uranus, Indiana <laughs> billboards that are always out there. So, <laughs> but this is an overachieving team with not the highest paid defense. Your third string quarterback who had thrown a pass in two years. I mean, it, it, in it an offensive coordinator, they fired too. Yeah. Look. We all bought the hype. As I said, I've said this multiple times this year. We bought the hype during preseason, right? We saw what looked like this tremendous offense that was in sync and just firing on all cylinders. And then we got to game one and they sucked. And we're like, what the hell happened? And then game two but, and then okay, game three and the game four. The defense can carry us. <laughs> so, the, you know, I, I'm going to go back. Is there a point in time during this season I thought maybe they were Super Bowl contenders? Yes, preseason. <laughs> so, because we were sold a bill of goods, you know, we bought into it. We we were like, we forgot, we put our we put our it's preseason blinders and took them off or put them on as the case may be and went, they're awesome. Oh my god, they score every time they get the ball. This is gonna be incredible. We're gonna win our seventh Super Bowl. Oh my god. No. Then the season came around and you know people are like, oh this you know Joe. We all turned it. The whole offense turned into a pumpkin. The season came around and the offense turned into a pumpkin. We stink. We're horrible. And so at the, from that point on, nobody, I think, really honestly thought they were a Super Bowl contender. The flaws that existed within the offensive structure were just too obvious. And then as, as the defensive guys start dropping like flies and you, you start just missing everything that was going to, because part of you might have still been like, oh, but the defense can carry them if they can just stay close. Kenny Pickett is a wizard at comebacks in the fourth quarter. If they can just stay close, they'll mm -hmm. win enough and they'll get there. Well, wait a minute. We don't have any inside linebackers. We got a guy that was working at the Quickie Mart coming in now. What do we do now? And maybe <laughs> Kenny Pickett can't win in the fourth quarter anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Miles Jack was ready to become a plumber or an electrician. Yeah, our quarterback was ready to sell real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and let's not forget, uh, Deontay Johnson misses four games. Pat Fryermuth misses five games. So the offense wasn't like at full power. And here's something else I want to throw in here. So number one, this is the, everybody outside of Pittsburgh is saying, what is wrong with the ends that want to get rid of Mike Tomlin? And everybody's reporting Mike Tomlin met with the team, said he's going to be back next year. We're awaiting a press conference for that. Another reason we kind of delayed, we thought we may have gotten that already and wanted that confirmed because that's pretty big. The storyline is head coach, obviously the staff, offensive coordinator now, and I'll get back to that in a second. And then, of course, the quarterback situation. But for everyone that's like, hey, if they would have started Mason Rudolph to begin the season, they would have done this and they would have done that. And they would have been like this major, you know, um, 
offensive firepower juggernaut. Did did you did you forget that Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator through like half of this season? No, I think Mason Rudolph struggles just as bad with Matt Canada calling the plays. I think that's that's preposterous. And it obviously is not, it, it did not help Kenny Pickett if there's any development or progression or anything to be made there. Uh, this season totally derailed or hindered, but that young man has to stay on the field as well. So I'm not ready to just be like, okay, they should have sat Pickett. No, that's a first round pick. Your eggs are in that basket. Most people thought, hey, Rudolph's there. They see him at practice all the time. He hasn't thrown a pass in two years, but just the fact that he was able to do what he did, having not thrown a pass in two years, go out there, light up the Bengals, light up the Seahawks, the monsoon, the, 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 the elements that he had to play in. And I think, um, I think for the most part, the overwhelming, the response, I won't say overwhelming, but the majority of response no one's um no one's blaming uh Mason Rudolph for this loss. It's not like he had like a terrible game. And if anything, after the interception, the interception I think could happen to anybody. We talked about this. We were sitting right there. This was Deontay. Could you have fought a little bit more for that ball? Uh, this was uh Kair Elam, a pro making a pro play. Can Mason maybe I thought it was a decent ball. Could it be delivered soon? Maybe it's sooner. Maybe there's more oomph. Maybe whatever you might say. That was a turning point in this game. But then everybody sees that, you know, this team didn't give up. They didn't just lay down. You have, would you have rather lost 45 to 14, 26 to 7, three quarters without scoring with the scoreless football like the Miami Dolphins? 48-32, which that was not a close game with the Cowboys and Packers. They got the doors blown off of them. So, and then of course the Eagles, three field goals from, oh, they should have drafted Jalen Hurts, should have been a Pittsburgh Steeler. And man, I tell you, there's a lot of coping going on around there. I would at least say with this team that may have overachieved, they may have found some things. They saw some stuff that I think they have something to at least build on and there's some positives to take away from this despite the exit in the wild card round all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to the interception for a second okay because as we were sitting there i i said to you i said this is what annoys me about deontay johnson is that he always leaves his quarterback out to dry i i am going to now tell you that i've watched that interception so many times because i am a masochist and i just love to hurt myself by watching bad plays. I don't know if that I'm going to blame Deontay anymore for that. And the reason is that before the ball, I, you know, he is falling backwards and, and probably at the point that he knows he's in trouble and needs to go for the ball. He can't because okay. his, his momentum enough. is carrying him back. So I'm going to, I'm going to give the forgiveness of Deontay Johnson on that. I'm going to lean more towards pro play, making a pro play and yeah, the ball probably wasn't the best placed ball. But Mason is Mason, right? Look, I, I've said all along, I know everybody is all was all hyped. Mason's the best quarterback on the team. I'm not still not convinced Mason's the best quarterback on the team. I'm not convinced that there is a good quarterback on the team at this point. But Mason played very well for several games. He also has played poorly at different times in his life. So it's not, it's not Mason's the greatest. It's Mason had three good games. If Mason had nine good games, maybe I'd change my way of thinking. If Mason didn't do some of the things that I have seen him do in the past, maybe I'd change my thinking. Um, I don't, 
I'm not putting down Mason Rudolph at all. I thought he did a great job to end the season. It does not change my my thought process to say Mason should be the starting quarterback or something of that nature, right? I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying when you look back on it, considering the injuries, considering what you learned during the season, they just weren't good enough. And yeah. and to have them be where they were is probably more surprising than not. Um, you know, it as you say, it is it's the same thing. This is the same team that lost to two, two and ten teams in a row. The only difference was they played a little better on offense afterwards. I don't know whether Mason would have won those games or not. And I can't go back and find out. I know people will be like, yes, he definitely would have. You don't know. Do you have a time machine? If you do, could you please come over to my house? I got some crap I need to go back in time and fix. <laughs> but <laughs> I was thinking the same way. I'm like, does Kenny win those games? Maybe. Does Kenny throw two touchdown passes in these games? Like that's the difference. Is Mason was, uh, you know, he's moving the football. They're able to run the football. Not so much in this game, even though they picked up 106, uh, Warren, 8 for 38, 4.8. Najee only 3.1, 12 for 37, sometimes into a brick wall. Um, I'll say this. I think Kenny or Mason wins the the Patriots game. I don't think they're winning the Arizona game regardless. Yeah, that's a little weird. And Arizona did better toward the end of the state. We kind of wrote off that Arizona didn't have James Conner for a while that they just got Kyler Murray back. They'd been playing Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon. And the team was, uh, that team was a little, a little different. I'm not going to say they were like, you know, uh, stocked with all pros and all stars or whatever, or what have you. Right. Um, we just can't stress enough. The, the, you know, the issues that they had across the middle, right. Tight yeah. ends were going to eat them up until they started to, at that point. They were they, you know, they're out without Cole Holcomb. They're without Quan. Landon Roberts is in and out of the games. You know, they just could be had at that point, and they hadn't figured out how to adjust for it yet. And, yes, you can say that's coaching, that's on the coaches, but it still it takes time when you have anticipated having X, and now you have minus three. Yeah, and you know. that Cardinal. Well, the Cardinals team too. Just to put this into perspective, they had exactly 400 yards against the Cowboys when they beat the Cowboys in Week Three, right? That should have never happened. Twenty eight sixteen. They never got anywhere near that. They were pretty anemic, just like the Steelers were. You know, uh, two forty nine here. Uh, there was a game where they only had fifty eight yards against the Browns, <laughs> and then they had over um, or close to it four thirty six, three oh six, four forty nine, and four sixty six against the Niners, Bears, Eagles, and Seahawks to close out the season after they played the Steelers. So they they definitely turned a corner. They only won one of those games, lost one by a point uh, in division and stuff like that. And so you could him haw whatever till the cows come home. But I, yeah, I don't know. The Patriots game's tough too because the defense just collapsed and made Bailey Zappi look like something different. Could have, would have, should. Uh, maybe it would have changed your, your outlook of the season, but there were a lot of different things. It's where I'm still at where everybody's like fire Mike Tomlin. And it's like, look, Mike Tomlin dragged these guys across the finish line, much like how Josh Allen was pulled forward, which I thought you couldn't do on the uh, tush push play on a fourth and one. And you know, uh, there are a lot of people. What I'm saying is, is that the blame probably shouldn't go to Mike Tomlin uh, or at least, you know, it can't be solely, because you guys, you got some guys that are off the streets that are playing against uh, a team that's a perennial playoff and division winner right now. Buffalo's been a Super Bowl favorite for probably the better part of the last five seasons. They're going to 
get another rematch with Kansas City here now, but they're now they're going to play in Buffalo, so we'll see how uh, interesting that well, gets. And, and, a, good, and a great quarterback, this. too, right? Yeah. Let me ask everybody this. Would you rather have been in a game like Cleveland, like Dallas, like the Eagles, that you were really never in, right? Or would you have rather been in this game where at least at some point for about 10 minutes during the game, you thought, we got a chance. Yeah. You know, it, it the final score does not actually reflect easily the, the game. They spotted them points by, you know, turning the ball over, which they just, they can't do, but they did. Um, and 20, 21, they, nothing middle of the second yeah, quarter, 21, nothing. And, and yet it's, there's a point when it's set 24, 17, you're one score out, right? You have hope. You think there's a chance and with the right things going on, maybe, maybe, you know, you, you, you get there. They just didn't have enough talent to do that. Uh, as they stand right now. and But I will say, as you said, there are positives to take out of this. There are also a lot of negatives. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, they got to fix the offensive line. Mason Cole can't be back. The center position is very weak. Um, Ed you know, Oliver, right? We just uh, constantly, yeah. the last few times. Constantly. Ed yeah. Oliver just ate his lunch the whole game. Um, but, you know, Najee is, is a good back. Jalen Warren is a good back. George Pickens looks like he's getting mature as the time goes on and he's he's a a clear number 1 level talent. Deontay Johnson is a solid receiver. There there's things to be positive about. TJ Watt should win defensive player of the year. Um you know, all those things, right? There are positives that t- can be taken out of this. If they get another solid draft, if Omar Khan uh turns into the con artist again and figures out ways to get some free agents to solidify certain areas of this team. Maybe next year we look at this and go, I'm legitimate. Look, I, I know we don't want to get into this right now, and we're not going to. But the biggest question that's going to go forward next year is going to be, is the quarterback play good enough to win, you know, to win you a championship? And we're not going to know that until next year so that's that's my level of speculation that's a um that's a very big that's a we we have a much bigger conversation uh ahead on that i i don't know how much i really want to touch on it but i would say this is a league where you need at least two if not three quarterbacks right so if you had both kenny and mason rudolph i wouldn't i wouldn't complain um and, and I don't know which of those two would actually be your one because there's enough question marks on both of them as to whether or not they can be. And I guess I'll leave it at that for now. Of course, that's Mason enough, will be. That's enough right there for me to complain. Yeah, <laughs> and unrestricted free agent. Yeah, but Brian, compared to what's available, and let's make it clear, Justin Fields is not available right now. And I don't know that Justin Fields would be an answer either. Is he that much of an upgrade? It depends on offensive coordinators and everything else. Are they going to get somebody in the draft where they're drafting from? at their draft position is somebody in the draft always an answer no you're going to might get somebody worse than rudolph or pickett in the draft even with a higher pick yeah down the road topic we we should go back and look because i'm just going to tell you this up front until cj came out and i mean i you know i said this from the get-go oh absolutely until cj came out let's look at what the rookie quarterbacks from the last six, seven years have actually won. Um, it took Jared Goff an awful long time to get where he is with the Lions, and I still don't think anybody is anointing him as the 
you know, the next uh, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Don, Dan Marino hey. or anybody like that in that class, but he can win some games. No, I know. We've, we've done this before. We will do it again. We've talked about the Jameis Winstons and Marcus Mariota's of the world. And that's when you're taking the very top picks in the upper echelon, the Trey Lances, the Zach Wilsons, the Sam Darnolds. Who's that the other Mitch guy? The Cardinals has? The Mitch Trubisky's. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're not wrong. So, I mean, quarterback could be something that's a question mark, but could, uh, I think they could win with either of these two, uh, all depending. It depends. There's a I lot of questions. Quarter, I mean, I don't want to delve into it. We got too much. We, we got, do. We do. We, hey, do, we, we don't do. have enough time. No. <laughs> No, not today, but we do. Hey, hold on. So I want to backtrack. I'm going to backtrack myself. I felt like George Pickens was a little lost in the moment here. And, and some of that was not his fault entirely either. There probably was a pass interference call missed more than likely uh, on that fourth down. When he goes to the sideline and he's throwing his helmets, folks, it's not a maturity issue. Charlie Batch stuck up for him on the post game. Uh, he's frustrated. Absolutely. He's emotional. Yeah. This is it. This is the end of your season. You're trying to win. Give me that guy every freaking Sunday, every game day. That's the kind of guy I want fighting alongside of me. Uh, have you had any complaints since the, well, I didn't want to get hurt from blocking. He's been out there put, sticking his nose in it. Now the guy yeah. he's corrected. He's still young, immature, rough, raw around the edges. It's there. I wish he would have come down with a ball or two more. I wish he could have secured one. The fumble was pretty big, dug them in kind of a hole that they couldn't afford to be in, like you said. But there were other mistakes the offense made, uh, illegal shifts. There were also calls. There was things like Josh Allen. How, what do you think about that? I still think fig slide. I still think he pulls up. I still think he hesitates. I still think that's enough to pause the defense if from – bent his knee – more he he put his foot I out watched, you could see his cleats his foot was up and out and his and, and his and his I, elbow I came back during the game that's a white man juke that's what maybe, that is maybe and I, I i don't sorry i have to reach down and pick this up because <laughs> otherwise i'll step on it and destroy it um it's a white man juke there is to me if he went and did like one of these and was like trying to go back so, a little so he, bit and then kicked he has up. to do a dab. Yeah, he'd have to dab. <laughs> it was not close enough to get called. I know everybody's going to think it is. Go, you, Oh, it's Kenny Pickett's fake slide. Go look at Kenny's fake slide and then look at what Josh did. And it's not the same thing. Yeah, but you know what? Um, within that instance and split second, you know, uh, for about 25 years, I had various levels of officiating a different sport where split second, you know, you ID these type of things uh, at various speeds and levels. To me, that's just enough to throw off a defense. And the reason he gets away with that, you know the what I mean? The point that you're, that you're right on though, is that. Yeah. And they're not going to get flagged. Get the officiating part of yeah. it, right. As a defensive player in, in this day and age, you are just flat out screwed, right? Mm -hmm. You're effed. There's nothing you can do about it. If you hit him, you get a penalty and a fine. If you don't hit him, he scores a touchdown. So what are you going to do? And, you know, we have the case in both instances we talked about. Look, Miles Jack hit him after he slid. He did try and come off, but they're going to call that every time because he landed on him with force. He didn't do enough to get a juke, you know, to get a fake slide call. 
But because the defense is over-desensitized to getting penalized for playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. Yep, exactly. NFL gets what they want, more offense. One penalty for nine yards, though, against the Bills and that whole thing. It's just, it's rough. There's, you know, and there's also talk, you know, there was a, there was a blatant hold also on, on that Allen run. And it seems as though th- it, there's definitely something going on in the league this year, not just Steelers games. You watch all of them where the edge rushers aren't getting there and are being just, the tackles are allowed to jump back three yards before the That's ball the snap. One. They're allowed right. to hold. They're allowed, they, they, there has not been very many holding calls league wide. I'm, I'm going to have to be curious as to how many just perception. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I go back in the numbers and it lines up and it's on average, but it sure doesn't feel that way. And I'm not just saying that. I'm just saying that, uh, I watched other games where you see like Bosa or somebody try and get after it or Micah, uh, Parsons or somebody get after somebody and it, and they just don't. Um, so that, that's just one aspect of this officiating, I know George Pickens said what he said, probably going to get fined for it, had to play against two teams or whatever. But you make enough mistakes on your own, particularly yourself, George, when you fumble, it's not a good look, that now you can't overcome if there is a judgment call on the field that doesn't go in your favor. And I do say judgment call because some of these end up being a judgment calls. There's things that you yep. cannot go rewind and throw a little red hanky out on the field for. I know a lot of people are also hot about one that did bounce in the Steelers' favor and may or may not bounced off of Pat Fryermute's face mask as we're sitting there watching the replays. So, you know, we do get that one. It could have been a little worse. I, I'm not going to be, um, you know, that biased, Brian, is to not acknowledge that, that we get one in your favor, at least there. Um, and then there's just poor tackling. And then Minka not throwing, you know... Um, Shakir down to the ground and it's just, that was kind of, it's sloppy and, and it's a backbreaker. Uh, when you get to that point in the game where you're, you're trying to fight back and you just can't get there. Josh Allen accounted for three touchdowns. He only threw for two Oh three. That's where you wanted him at, but the running game with his big, long 52 yards, of course, 179 yards given up to the bills. If they're able to maybe button that up a little bit, if they had any kind of way to cover the tight ends, tight ends, their tight ends almost had three touchdowns, let alone the two that they had. If not for Landon Roberts making a spectacular play after we'll go one, one more officiating call because this was after Levi Wallace had to sub in on that play. And they went right to that side of the field thinking Levi might play short linebacker on tight end. Joey Porter jr. Was not on the field for that play after getting cracked in the back of his head and having to go out for concussion protocol and no personal foul was thrown. I I mean, that, that one was pretty egregious. Like if you followed the podcast for any length of time, you know what I think of the refs, (laughs) right? But yeah, please tell us, tell us for all the new listeners. They stink. They stink so bad. They're terrible. All of them are awful. Um, you know that I've been calling for full-time referees. Put them on full-time, make them learn their craft, make them get better because they stink. Hire younger people, all these old men. I'm old, and I don't want to be a ref, and I shouldn't be out there. I can't see. I, don't, I can't see anything. You make a very Forget- valid point. I talked about coming from this experience from the officiating world, um, soccer, college, and professional at different levels. When it's cold out, those human beings, it's worse than being a player, because especially when it's football, because these guys, they don't move as much 
some of your, your umpires, your line, you're just walking up and down the sideline. It is freaking cold. It's about as it being a fan. I forgot who I heard. Maybe it was Larry Fitzgerald on with uh, Jim Gray last night. And he was talking about how, you know, the fans may have it worse. At least we're running around on the field. And I'm thinking, well, the officials, you see when they had, when he, uh, who, oh, geez, what was his name? What was the guy's name that did, did the, uh, hold on. I've got it here. Let me find it in the book. Uh, I don't want to misquote referee Carl Sheffers. I should have done that. Uh, Super Bowl referee. Carl Sheffers has the full balaclava face mask, and he's got to pull it down for the aspect of TV and be able to speak into his open mic on the stadium announce just to announce what the penalty is. That dude was cold. And when it's, when it's cold, mistakes happen. Mental mistakes happen. Everything else, you know, George Pickens maybe doesn't hold on to the ball. The ball's harder because it's like a rock. Uh, his muscles aren't warmed up. He's not in a certain thing. And then the routine has also changed from what these guys are doing getting massages day to day or whatever. It's just, it, some of it throws them off. Uh, it's not excuses, but I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to lay this just on one specific thing like coaching or um, I don't know about that timeout with two seconds left or whatever the hell that was. I was sitting there scratching my head. Somebody said that they were trying to preserve time because the punter got hurt. Hold a hammy. They signed somebody in Buffalo uh, in place of him uh, just in case too. Presley Harvin the third. We're going to be doing exit interviews, I think, Brian, on offense, defense, special teams, whatever. This one this. should be easy. This is the exit interview. See you Get later. Out. <laughs> Bye. Get out. This is the this is the Amityville horror exit interview where you Presley Harvin just walks in the room and Mike Tomlin doesn't have to say anything. The whole room just goes, Get out. <laughs> First punt, 31 yards. Steelers were out to midfield. They didn't have a whole lot. At least it wasn't a three and out. They uh, got a first down and then uh, incomplete passes. One batted at the line. Arvin punts 31 yards. That's fair caught. So the Bills started at their own 20. Not bad. It's, field, it's where the you know, normal field goal deal is. But it's 31 yards. You can't get them down to like a five. You know what I mean? Like within their 10. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. He, he punts 42 to the 27 on the next one from his, you know, a little bit better. That was downed. That was with a bounce, by the way, down by Miles Boykin. You look at the other side. Uh, Sam Martin punts 47 to the Steelers, 18. That one goes out of bounds. Uh, Steelers end up turning the ball over, and immediately it was the Dalton Kincaid 29-yard touchdown. Then the Steelers go three and out. One yard run by Warren, incomplete pass intended for Pat Fryermuth batted at the line once again at Oliver because he sure as hell wasn't in coverage. <laughs> and then uh, another tipped ball uh, at the line by Bernard. And then um, Harvin punts 30 and Buffalo gets the ball at their own 44. And if we continue this, you know, Martin punted 52 yards. At some point, I think he gets hurt here. Uh, let's see where else this ends up getting to. Uh, then there's the interception drive. I'm just trying to see what other ones we have here. Arvin did have a 51 yard punt blocked field goal. Actually pretty amazing. That's when you started to think that some things could happen. Steelers get the ball at Buffalo's 33, uh, pretty decent stuff there. Then Buffalo's trying to preserve a little bit of time too at the end of this and double dip. Cause they got the ball for the second half. They call some timeouts and they actually do get the ball. Uh, but they, um, fortunately enough for the Steelers, they were able to uh, get a sack from uh, Marcus Golden, and then time ended up expiring there. But 
Yeah, man. I mean, it was uh, end of the second half. Let me see if we've got some uh, other. I don't know how much more. I, I do. I care that much more to dump on them. That was just enough to not flip the field, and didn't do the Steelers really any the defense any um any wonders. If anything, they needed a little more help from a guy that could at least pin pin somebody. This affects. Well, let's put it this way: even with the defense, the way they were. Buffalo approaches it a lot different if they're on their five versus their 25 as a, yes. as to what or plays they're 35 or their 40. Yes. Yeah. As to what plays are going to call. We saw that happen with the Eagles and the Buccaneers and the safety in that game. I mean, it was just like, there was no, uh, there's no opportunity for those type of splash plays. And then Buffalo also gets up on a lead because of the turnovers and the, and the ball security issues. And then they could call the game a lot differently when they don't have, you know, the look over their shoulder there as well. Well, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, look, I get it. I, I didn't anticipate them cutting Presley Harvin. You don't mess with the, you know, look, there's a there, there's a camaraderie amongst your special team group. There's continuity in, in the snap, hold, kick concept of it. You don't want Boswell to, to get, you know, out of sync because all of a sudden his holder's different or whatever. Right. I understand why they didn't can him during season. Right. Why they didn't cut his butt and say, see you later. I, I can understand that. But as far as next season goes, Presley Harvin should not be anywhere near this facility. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm totally with you. That's one upgrade that they need. Um, you don't even, I don't even know like how, um, how important he was even to like the Boswell thing. Like I said, Brad Wing had been here for years before yeah. and we're in you know uh, superstition yeah i get not wanting to upset the apple cart not you know things there's only so much you could do with the short prep time during the week special teams probably not the you know they get their own work in but just i don't know it's not something to really go really go if into you were gonna do it you'd, you'd have to have done it earlier right so that by the time you get to this point you, the other three have had a chance like i could have seen it when Brad Wing came in to punt when when Presley Harvin was injured, right? He was injured. I'm not I'm I'm not being sarcastic about that. <laughs> but, you know, he was actually injured. It, he was hurt. Um sarcastic. But <laughs> but um you know, that would have been the time to just say, yeah, we've seen enough of this and and just go on and then move forward with Brad Wing again and go, that's that's our tandem. So by the time you get to the postseason or the end of the year. But be that as it may, I'm not going to go back in time because I, I don't have the time machine thing. Uh, but I, I, he just should not be around next year. Yep, um, I'm with you. We've got a lot of things to talk about here in the near future. Possibly Mike Tomlin coming back. Possibly what they do at offensive coordinator. If there are more changes on the staff as far as, I mean, Eddie Faulkner is probably all right as running backs coach, do you hire within and piss everyone off? Cause when you hired from outside, everybody wanted a college mind and you got Matt Canada. You know what I mean? You've got, um, you've seen things with the quarterback, the quarterback storylines will be big too, because you've got the guy to develop. Everybody talks about, Hey, green Bay Packers. Okay. They went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, And now Aaron Rodgers to Jordan love. And we really don't know if Jordan love is going to be the guy. They look fine. Now you don't know looking back on it three, four years from now, if you're going to be like, 
oh yeah, I remember that guy. And people were talking about that too. I think that was uh, part of the post game with Charlie Batch or maybe like Craig Wolfley and um, Max Starks were on one of the other Steelers Nation radio shows. And it was like, are you just going to go back and, oh, I remember those few games with Mason. That was fun. Or is there a future there? Or I remember when Kenny made those comebacks. That was fun. And like I said, you need more than one guy the way the NFL works right now. So I have no, we'll, we'll talk about the opportunities that Mason might have, why he might not want to come back, et cetera, et cetera. That's another thing that's in the future. We're going to talk about impending free agents. Where on the roster can they make some improvements? Who should or shouldn't be back because of salary cap concerns? They're going to have to clear right now over the cap. I think it has them about $7 million over the cap of what they estimate the 2024 salary cap to be. There's some easy ones, really. Like Allen Robinson doesn't come back. You know, you're now you're back in the black instead of in the red. That's a very simple one. And I think he's in his uh, getting up there in his 30s. Well, what do you got for fresh sarcasm, Mike? Clearly, Mitch Trubisky should be back. He oh. needs to be back. He needs to be the backup quarterback. And there's no value in saving the $10 million or whatever you say for him. He should be back. They're eating a little bit too much money with him, and I'll get into those figures when we talk quarterbacks. I think if you want to do this dog and pony show of, hey, Mason, you either give me, I think the way Mason comes back, you either got to give him the one, promise him, it's got to at least be a competition. I look around the league and just see anywhere else. He wouldn't go anywhere and just be the starter anywhere. It's going to be a team that's probably going to draft a quarterback as well. So he's probably going to be in some competition. Like a Gardner Minshew gets the opportunity because Anthony Richardson gets hurt. Something like yep. that. Uh, I, I just like what Andy Dalton was in Chicago. He got signed. Thought He was told he was going to be the starter and they draft Justin Fields, right? So it's something like that. And I don't know that that's necessarily the opportunity. He may just... Maybe he doesn't have it. And some people think maybe he has animosity. If he does, I wouldn't hold it against him. But, you know, Tomlin stuck with him here. He could have easily just yanked him and said, well, you know, the guy doesn't lose his job due to injury and put Kenny back in there. Maybe they don't make the playoffs. This is a guy that just led the team. Everything he says, every, the way he carries himself and the way he has carried himself precludes to be in a leadership role. Will he ever have the goods? I don't know. Uh, what I don't want, Brian, is all these people that are saying draft a guy. If you draft a guy, it's not going to be one of the top. Who are you going to draft? And who are you going to sign? Because anybody yeah, you sign is going to have to be like a Trubisky type that's going to want to be at least QB2 at the worst. So I, it's like, you know, I think you make an effort to go back and get Mason. There's some other spots on this roster where, you know, some guys are talking. Chukes core for thinking, hey, I should be a starter. And it's like, well, you're probably going to get that chance because they're not going to pay you over $10 million to ride the bench next year. And they still still have areas there to fix. And then, of course, one last one, as we're up against it, and something that we're going to have to talk about too. Cam Hayward's been playing with a groin injury. Said he tore it off the bone in training camp. Cam Hayward at $22 million this year and next year as well. 24, he's carrying that high of a cap hit. You didn't hear that one. Tore it off the bone. That's, that's that was Mark Caballi of the Athletic, I believe, that reported. That, that makes my groin hurt. That makes anything hurt that's attached to bone, my friend. <laughs> but it explains like it really does explain like Cam Hayward. Like, it, it, did he regress? Can he come back for that? Tyson Alualu was not able to be the same player, but then again, he but never was. Cam Hayward. As much as I hate to say it, Cam is reaching the end of of the road. Um, 
you know, that's just natural at some point. Yeah. Do I want Cam to come back? Do I want Cam to have the shot to come back? Sure, I do. But yeah, they're going to have to probably restructure his deal and and try and work some well, some weird cat magic to to make it happen. Um, no, no restructure, I don't think, because I think he enters the final year. No, yeah, final year of his deal. So there's nothing to restructure unless it's uh, a weird extension with void years. Void years extension. Magic. Yeah, I mean, Khan is willing to do some of that stuff now, which so you never know. I I don't anticipate unless you know. Unless who knows? I don't even want to speculate, but I my guess would be Cam is back, and in, in in a way that makes sense. He wants to come back. He wants to try and get back in the playoffs, right? He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to win some playoff games. He doesn't want to go out like this. I guarantee you that. But again, he knows his body as well, and and you know if he may maybe that's enough. I doubt it. I just think he's he's not that guy yet. But we'll see. Yeah, I really don't know either. I mean, that's a, those are some big shoes to fill as well. So it's another one that's on the radar. And of course, Cam Hayward doesn't want to play for anyone but Mike Tomlin. PJ Watt doesn't want to. That was he said that was part of his contract negotiations. That was part of the discussion. Is that he plays with Mike Tomlin as his head coach, and maybe Mike Tomlin has that same magic to get somebody like Mason Rudolph. I mean, Mason Rudolph's going to get some offers, right? He is. And we're going to discuss that, the opportunities, the offers, what it might cost to bring them back. It's not going to be a bag of peanuts for like $6 million, I don't think. There's got to be a multi-year deal with some, uh, at least a little bit of guarantees. It's I, still I going to be. What you said at the beginning is correct. They have to prom. If Mason comes back, it's under with the understanding that he has a shot to compete for the starting role, right? Kenny hasn't done anything over the last two and a half years to to make you anoint him at this point, right? And say, oh, absolutely, that we couldn't do better. We couldn't possibly do better. Um, so I, I'm just telling you, and I, everybody knows what I say about Mason. I think he's a, a quality backup, but I don't think he's ever been anything more. I'm just telling you that there's no way he comes back, in my mind, unless they promise him he has a shot to compete. Yeah, yeah, and I'll even say as much. Like, if you would have seen Kenny do what Mason did in those last three games, four games, possible with Canada being out the window, he had one Canada less game that was, you know, decent. Multi, I'm talking about throwing two touchdown passes, protecting the football, something he does well enough, hitting it downfield. He definitely has like an it factor to him. But like you said, they don't have as much invested in this guy. He's still a first-round pick. They've seen what he's maybe capable of. There's maybe potential there. But if you can't tap that potential, I think next year is going to be one of those, this upcoming season in 24, there's still going to be a feeling out period, and then it might be scrapping it all over again for a new quarterback. And who knows what a new incoming offensive coordinator could be like. So, I mean, you saw what the Browns just did. For some reason, Kevin Stefanski's out there, and Kevin Stefanski – Calls the plays. He's an offensive-minded coach. And they just fired everybody that's like his staff. And I'm like, with four quarterbacks playing as well. Like, you know, uh, that was a real head-scratcher for me. There's already people out there yelling about Alex Van Pelt, who played a pit and was a uh, – he was with the Steelers, actually, at one point, uh, just like a practice squad or off-season training camp. He came to camp, something like that. 
So he has a small history with the, you know, with the area, with the organization and whatnot, but he's got fired by the Browns as his offensive coordinator. Now, was he calling the plays? Blah, blah, blah. We know in 2020 that he was the guy that was there because Stefanski was on the couch, COVID, everything like that. Uh, but you got to look, they're going to be looking for something. Mike Sullivan has history in the NFL and good history with working with guys, making Josh Freeman look good, making Eli Manning look good, being an offensive coordinator. He called the plays here at the, I didn't, ha- I didn't really have much gripes with the play calling other than, you know, a lot of people are going to say, why didn't they just run the freaking football instead of have Mason throw that? Well, that play is probably there because that's what they're expecting. You got some play action. Finally, you got some things mixed in. Now you get the scrap of Canada playbook and it might be better. So there's a lot of storylines. We're going to, we've got more, we probably got more to talk about this off season now than we did you know since ben retired we had a whole lot to chew off antonio brown was the gift that kept on giving there for a year or two that we always got to talk about so uh we'll definitely be in touch here folks this is a midweek show so we're not going to have another one to close out this week but we will be back around next week flash will be back on as well he'll offer some of his opinions we're going to start grinding on some of this uh last thoughts brian got anybody you're pulling for especially here uh, the rest of the way. I, I mean, I, I have no choice, right? I called it from the beginning of the season. I, I kind of have to be rooting for CJ and the Texans. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I don't want. I don't want the Ravens to go because I hate them. I, I don't want Kansas City to go because they've gone already. Yeah. So I'd be okay with Josh Allen and the Bills getting there. I would be okay with the Texans getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, from the other side of the of the equation, Detroit. I, I don't care anymore. Give me Detroit. The team that I Exciting. hated the most is gone. I yeah. Yeah. Eagles are gone for you. Cowboys are gone too. So that I'm was, a happy camper. Cowboys. I don't hate the Eagles. Yeah. I, hate I mean, the-, the, the, the Detroit Lions, what a what a great story they are so far with Dan Campbell and all, everybody that's there. I don't remember who's it's left like, in the NFC. But screw it. Let Baker Mayfield go win a Super Bowl. I don't care. I don't care. Let him go do it. Wouldn't that be funny? It would be be hilarious (laughs) if Baker Mayfield, because he hasn't played that well, right? I mean, he's played well enough, but he hasn't played that well. But, you know, let him, yeah, let it be Baker and CJ in the Super Bowl and uh, and then let the the rookie win. Or, you know, as they say, or as they say in Star Wars, let the Wookiee win. <laughs> you got to let the Wookiee win. Well, that's like the guy that was talking to me in Buffalo. I was like, they didn't tell you? We burned down the stadium if we don't win. <laughs> but yeah, dude, uh, you know, it's been it, it's been an interesting season, sometimes very stressful. You should backtrack, though, on Mayfield, at least for this past game. 337 yards and three touchdowns is uh, nothing to really sneeze at. So he put no, some up. He hasn't played well at all. I just said he yeah. hasn't overall the whole season, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire. And look at that as a scenario, too. And a lot of it's situational. And go back. Did you watch the game? I watched most. I mean, you were sitting there we with were me. We sitting yes, there. I you watched the game. We're sitting there. Most, as with most quarterbacks, Bake, Baker got a lot of extra yak on those, uh, you but, know. Yeah, well, those yards, okay, those okay. Those yards are a hell of a lot more on the receivers than they were on, you know, Baker Mayfield. He threw it for eight yards and got a 76-yard touchdown. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was like one point, weren't we looking at it? He didn't even have fit. Did he finish with 50% completion percentage? He had 61.1, so he, he improved it yeah, a little bit. At one bit. point, he was like 12 for 27. It's something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was yeah. not. It was the, and Hertz was even worse. Wasn't it like one? Yeah. Uh, he had like a like nine yards of offense or something like that at one point. Uh, there was a but team. Baker's not throwing what CJ was throwing. No, against, no. Against and we the, should, you know what? It should clarify the reason that you're so hype on CJ Stroud is because Brian, even more so than I am a big Ohio state fan, big Buckeyes fan. I'm a Buckeyes fan, but you know, once they go into the NFL, it's like, eh, you know, I don't want to hate them, but I'm not really rooting for it. Maybe fun. You know, well, the Texans have been sometimes, a- you know, sometimes they're dead to me, like JK dead for me. Yeah. JK, um, hey, yeah, sometimes they're dead to me after they go in the NFL. Aside from those picks, I'm going to say Buffalo as well because Buffalo beat the Steelers, and it looks a lot more impressive that it also looks impressive that they only lose by uh, 14 points as opposed to some of these other blowouts in some of these games. They didn't give up. They didn't just lay down. And if you're like, hey, the team that won the Super Bowl is the one that beat you, it gives you a lot of like what ifs still uh, that I will at least entertain in my brain for the fun of it. Um, I had something else that was for you. Oh, Real mediocre teams, because I was just about to say, like, the Texans have been in mediocrity for a long time. That word gets thrown no, around no. a lot. The Texans have stunk, right? Yeah. Mediocrity is not an accurate term for the Mediocrity is like, well, we're okay. We're not great. We're not really that. No, they stunk. Are you? Are you, <laughs> Would you say the Steelers have been mediocre? Yes. I don't see that word to me means this. Uh, mediocre means a team that drafting in the top 10, four to six wins, Never That's making it to the sticks. postseason. I'm talking the Jets. I'm talking eight the Texans before. Eight and eight is before. the definition of mediocre. Who is? Eight, an eight and eight team is mediocre. They're not terrible. They're average. And they're not great. Okay. They're average. That's what mediocre is. But, but I think that term gets thrown around like too much. Like the Raiders. No, it's like, stink. Okay. It's an adjective of a middle quality of but a moderate or low degree of excellence, indifferent, ordinary. So I guess maybe the Raiders are worse than mediocre. You might be right yes. there. I, I just, I, I, think it, I think it's slanderous. And when you look at what Mike Tomlin did, this is where we'll close it. Brooke Pryor of ESPN and Charlie is batch defended her and said, well, she has a job to do. Well, she could have asked a different question unless she's being pressed to do it. Uh, not as bad as... Um, the lady who asked uh, Todd Bowles, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, what they'll do about the weather in Detroit. And he goes, well, they play indoors. You are aware they play indoors. But Brooke Pryor, of course, Mike Tomlin walks off the podium asking about his contract situation. I see it both ways. I see it from us. Myself, I don't like when people are just straight up like belligerent or jerks towards players, coaching staff. I Even when I don't like somebody, like a Mitch Trubisky, for example. It's not personal. I, I don't like like his play on the field is what I don't like. I try not to be down to a personal level where people are calling Mike Tomlin mediocre. There's not the mediocre, I think, necessarily Here's, about Mike Tomlin. And, yeah. and for Brooke to say, what, you know, to ask a question about that in the heat of that moment, that's a question you ask later this week when he has that press conference, maybe. To jump out the gate and just do that there. But also with Mike Tomlin, I think he could have taken the Bill Belichick approach and say, I will neither confirm nor deny or whatever. He like, I will not talk. I will only talk about the game that's, this weekend. See, that's you know? the difference. Mike Tomlin is a fiery coach, right? He's he is an emo- he, he's a guy that has emotion, right? You've seen it. 
he he sometimes says dumbass things because he you know we are about to unleash hell that quote has followed and we will unleash hell in december because he was emotional right he said something that didn't really turn out to be true but you know so i i'm actually i'm okay with brooke Pryor asking the question and here's why it's just the way of the world at this point, right? It is a storyline. It has been a story, whether it's a real storyline or some fake ass crap storyline, it's been a storyline for several weeks now with everybody else leaving, Carol leaving, Bilicek leaving, all this other stuff going on. I, have, I totally understand her asking the question, yeah. right? And I don't think she did it in a belligerent fashion, but I also totally understand and respect Mike Tomlin's response, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Don't ask me that right I now. I'm, I, I, I'm totally, I'm in agreement with you. Um, I want to say one more thing. Yeah, though. go ahead. I agree with you 100%. My, when I say the Steelers have been mediocre, because the Steelers as a whole, as a team, have been mediocre. But they probably actually stink. The reason that they've yes. been mediocre is Mike Tomlin is not a mediocre coach. He has the ability to raise them above the level of their play. You you don't go eight and eight with Duck Hodges, all right, and 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 be a mediocre coach. You don't lose the middle of your defense and end up with a ten and seven record if you're a mediocre coach. You end up four and thirteen or something. The team itself, probably this year, was not very good, <laughs> considering everything that was going on. Yeah. Does he make mistakes? Yes. Should he have fired Canada earlier? Should he have probably never kept Canada on? Yes. All those things are true. But as far as a guy who leads your team and finds ways to win, he is that guy. I don't think he's a mediocre coach. I do think the team is probably a subpar or was a subpar team this year considering the situations that they found themselves in. Yeah, and he play he has to play to certain strengths. He probably has to answer to a higher power within this organization whether that's Art Rooney II or Omar Khan. Why aren't you going to play Mitch Trubisky if he plays Mason Rudolph right out the gate over a guy that, you know, was owed it would have saved 10 million dollars and they decided to bring this guy back. And they probably didn't think he was going to be this bad at least. And I I look. I don't understand. I, nobody but, thought but, it was going to be this bad. But it's it's the business of football. It's the politics of football. Aside that, you got to absolutely like burn this one to the ground to make sure. Okay, now I can make this decision instead. And it takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to sit the guy you put the first round pick on that you anointed the starter in training camp. He goes and gets a quick surgery to be able to turn around and come right back to play and maybe give you a chance to win and hold him off on the bench and on the sidelines. And I'm going to tell you, I think that does Kenny a lot of good because if he goes out to Buffalo and ultimately fails, his fan base immediately, there isn't anybody that's going to want to see Kenny Pickett. It's going to be the storyline the next six months in through the summer. And this guy's a bomb. He shouldn't be the starter. Get somebody else if that is the decision. I think most people will at least be comfortable seeing him and Rudolph the way this played out. Tomlin took a lot of guts to not just, okay, Mason, you know, I let you play. That's it. You know what I mean? And then maybe misses the playoffs. And he coaches uh, he coaches this team up to get them into that position to go on a little bit of a winning streak. This was not easy. 
They had to go into Seattle and win on the road. They had to go to Baltimore and win on the road. And then they had to go and play in Buffalo in bad conditions. And, and, you know, every one of those situations is like the optimal conditions for that home team where they have to go on the road and play those guys and they come out and they compete. And, you know, Mike Tomlin's capable of doing that. They had Michael Walker, Eric Rowe, Miles Jack off the couch, Trenton Thompson somewhere on the practice squad. These are the guys that they're going to battle with. And like you said, with Duck Hodges and, geez, Johnny Holton and whatever else, the Benny Snell and all these guys, you know, um, I, I'm just going to leave it at as that. It says, as they say. Volunteer, not a hostage. I should have made that shirt. That's kind of cool one. So that's a what's her what's that's a Kaya Kaya Tomlin. Oh, is that Tomlin's daughter? Cool, cool stuff. Well, we're up against it, my friend. Got a little bit more out of this uh, than we thought we were going to, but there is still a lot to chew on. There's going to be naysayers and people who nitpick this. Let me tell you, it's like I, I don't like the argument of well, if Tomlin leaves, who do you get? But I think there's at least one more year here because I think there's one more year Kenny Pickett. There may be a multi, if you bring Rudolph back, you got him at least a year, a solid year. It might be a multi-year deal with an out where, you know, that's the same thing Trubisky had. Trubisky was getting a lot more in year two because they sign him. You know, what if this guy becomes the starter and does well? Um, you still got maybe another year of Cam Hayward. Maybe Cam has it restructured. He'll probably pay him all his money. The Steelers have done it in the past with like Troy Polamalu and Ben, and they just find a way to massage that number so they free up some cap space. It depends on his, like you said, his body. He turns 35 in May. Um, But, you know, TJ Watt, some of these guys that go to bat, you got at least, I think, a year of Tomlin if they don't extend him. The toughest thing will be, who wants to come here and coach for just one year? He is legendary, so it's something that's on the resume, but it's not exactly job security for folks who maybe coaches that are younger, that have just started families, that have just, you know, young kids, and you got to put them in school systems and stuff. They might not want, they might want something that has a little more meat to it, a little more longevity to it. So if they do get somebody that's a retread, that's a 60 year old, whatever, offensive coordinator. That's going to be the reasons why there's a lot of personal decisions that go into the personnel decision. See what I did there, Brian? I did. I, uh-huh. I will tell you, I, I believe the Steelers want to extend Mike Tomlin. I believe that they, during this offseason, they will make every attempt to extend Mike Tomlin. But it also is very possible at this point in time that Mike Tomlin wants to operate somewhat with, with uh, you know, year-to-year expectations. Yeah. Um, a little more flexibility, not because he maybe wants to go someplace else, but the dude's been doing it for 17 years. Yeah, it's you a know? grind. It, at some point, you got enough money, you got enough of a reputation, you know you're going into Hall of Fame when you're done. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe, as they say, you get on with your life's work, right, as Chuck Noll used to say. I don't know. I, I believe... The fire that you saw in that post-game interview would lead me to believe Mike Tomlin's not done yet, right? He he has he's got more left in as as uh, Rocky uh, said in that one Rocky Balboa movie. He's like, I got a little got a little something in the in the basement still left in the basement. I gotta I gotta get to work out my basement stuff. <laughs> and you know, so maybe you know I, I I believe he probably wants to come back next year. I believe that's what he told the players, and 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 I believe that the Steelers would like to have him back and would like 
to have an extension so that it is not a lame duck situation where it's year to year and he's at the end of the year he's he's finished for the very reason you said it's very difficult to hire coaches if you know the regime is going to turn over in a year or there's a risk of it turning over in a year there's always a risk of it right yeah except except here yep yep hey i got one more for you daniel valente stats guy daniel We'll give him a little shout here because he projected Mason Rudolph's four-game stretch over 17 games. And put that up on the screen. Um, 68.2% completion percentage for 4,016 passing yards, 21 touchdowns with four picks, 8.6 yards per attempt, a 106 passer rating. For comparison, Pickett and Trubisky have combined for 21 passing TDs since 2022. At um, the reason why, like, you're not going to say necessarily. I'm go with what you said earlier. I don't know how you factor in Matt Canada calling plays for the first X number of games. I, I know. Those kind of stats are pro, pro football focus or whatever. PFFs, that's that's why, what's his name? PFF Sam blocked me and screw you, you loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> big chicken. Anyway, um, it's... That's pure speculation and projection because you cannot you cannot calculate for the fact that Matt Canada was going to wreck a lot of that and basically be like, no, I want you to do this. Yeah, you can't calculate. There might be a game where he throws three or four touchdowns. They blow the doors off someone. There might be a game where he doesn't throw one at all. Uh, but he did play in like some conditions too. So, you know, there's all kind of variables and factors. So I take it at face value, but that's a 4,000 yard passer. That's respectable. I, I take it with a, a very large <laughs> grain of, not just a grain of salt. I take it with a semi truck filled with salt. Oh, geez. <laughs> that's a little too much. I mean, sometimes it's what you got. It's a small, it's a and sample that's size. That's not a slight you know? to Mason. That's know, the fact I know. you're limited by Matt Canada. Yeah. Yeah. That's I what that you. is. I hear you. Well, as far as Kenny, that's why I agree. And that's why I'm not completely out on Kenny. I am not a pick guy whatsoever. I'm not like the rah-rah. He did whatever in college. I understand he's a little older, small hands, all this other crap that people say. But uh, hands know, don't have anything to do with he, anything. He's a gamer and somebody you definitely should have kicked the tires and take a shot on. Because imagine if he goes somewhere else then and he, and then he lights it up. He goes to New Orleans and for whatever reason. They, they actually have a semblance of an offense. That's been a problem for them like, this past like year. Like Drew Brees too, right? Yeah, something. Yeah, little so, guy, little teeny hands. There's certainly plenty of people we've been disappointed in. There's some that uh, not so much, and usually the reclamation projects usually don't. Uh, I understand they come from whatever situation it isn't ideal. They usually end up in yet another not so ideal situation. Baker in Carolina nope. definitely uh, exemplifies that versus Baker in Tampa. So, anyways, Brian, that'll do it for us, folks. Well, wait, before, wait, I gotta oh, get my got last two seconds in before you know. So the two percenters sure, can sure, complain sure. that we didn't, we never end when we're supposed to end. But I, I, I want to give a shout out to Marcus Golden, right? Considering the 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 vet edge rushers that we have signed the last couple years, who have come in and been gigantic pains in the ass. Marcus Golden went through this year as a professional and did his job and was there and so i i actually want to give kudos to him um and i appreciate that that's all i just want to say that before we got yeah out. absolutely i think he's 32 years old so it's not we'll talk about this with the free agents who you want back type show etc cetera, etc cetera. folks don't forget to like comment subscribe 
leave a rating or review wherever you may be watching or listening. We appreciate all of you following us throughout the season. Don't forget, tell some friends, um, help us grow a little bit more so we can continue bringing this stuff to you. We're probably looking at a schedule where it's, you know, it's a podcast one week, it's two shows another week, something off and on like that. Uh, there's only so much we can talk about, but we will be looking forward to some of the games coming up this weekend. And uh, we'll probably talk about those some as well on the show. So make sure you. I got another one. Okay. One more. This is for, this is truly for the one percenters who are here right now in the comments. Just tell me, when do you want me to start doing mock draft insanities? Cause I can do them very quickly. And at the end of any podcast I'm on, we could just go, and here's a ridiculous uh, mock draft that could have happened until we get to the real one where we do the whole show. I but, hate, I hate doing anything draft until the combine, at least. I know, but because that's that's why people PFS are doing it now. We don't even know the. Yeah, there's guys in there that aren't that have gone back to college. They they didn't declare. I know, <laughs> I know. Entering the transfer portal, so yeah. I think the Steelers are picking twentieth uh, overall again. Yep. Uh, right back. Craig Wolfley made a good point about that as well. He said, you know, the Steelers, they've never had one of these burn it to the ground moments where you have like, you know, the first or second pick overall, you get to do what the Texans did, or you're in a position where the bears are or anything like that. They've kept this going mediocre. Some people may say by picking in the bottom half of these rounds every single year for practically, well, since 2003, no losing seasons since 2003 so it actually extends beyond mike tomlin's tenure as the head coach of the pittsburgh steelers that'll do it for us folks for sure this time thank you if you listen to this far give brian a shout out give us a shout out also um you could always send us some stuff texts emails whatever through the site and let's know what you might want us to talk about as well drop some stuff in the comments till next time my name's joe his name's brian we encourage everyone out there to be safe be good and we'll catch you later we would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com.